Let's take a moment in prayer before the message. Lord God, we thank you that we do have life in Christ Jesus. As we come before your word this morning, let us be filled by it. Let us be comforted by it. Let us love Christ Jesus evermore. In his name we pray, amen. Our culture in this day and age is obsessed with the fear of death. Fear and the fear of death is being constantly peddled by much of the media, by many politicians. It's in social media everywhere you go. It has woven its way into the very fabric of our culture, indeed of the world in this day and age. The fear of death has destroyed confidence, it has destroyed businesses, it has destroyed relationships. It has increased despair, increased substance abuse, and ironically, increased suicide. The fear of death has had devastating effect on the poor and disadvantaged. And in a very tragic story that happened just this past week in Australia, four newborn babies died because they needed life-saving surgery that was only available in a different hospital, but there was a travel ban, so they couldn't go to that hospital. The fear of death is devastating. Now, let me be clear. COVID is real. It does. And there are people who get COVID and they die. So let's lay that out. There's no question about that. But we don't have to be fearful, prudent. Should we be prudent? You better believe we should be prudent. But we don't have to live in fear, and specifically fear of death. As Christians, we should have no fear of death. Absolutely none. So you, for those who are of the Joy family, you know that Dave Cosman passed away in July. And I was able to speak to him just a few days before he passed. And he had no fear in him at all. As a matter of fact, if you remember from last week, I talked about how people want to go home. Dave said, I'm ready to go home. And Shirley, oh, you, if you knew Shirley, <laughs> you know that she had no fear of death whatsoever, right? Her faith in Christ Jesus was rock solid. There was no fear in her at all. And in a very poignant text that I received just after she had passed, Mike sent me a text. He said, Shirley has gone home to be with Jesus. Home, Jesus. No fear of death whatsoever. So this morning... Let's you and I together banish all fear of death. Let's banish any sting of death 
and be reassured that death is swallowed up in victory. But how can you and I be assured of that? How can you and I be assured that death indeed is swallowed up in victory? Well, it can only be done when we have our faith, our trust in him who has overcome death, in him who is the resurrection and the life, in him whose name is Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. So how about that? Let's you and I banish this morning all fear of death by placing our full faith and trust in Christ Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to take a look at three main points in banishing this doubt. First, we have to deal with our confusion and our doubt. Then we will take a look at his clarity and assurance. And finally, his question to each and every one of us. So let us begin. We're going to begin with our confusion or doubt. And we're going to start, actually, in verse 21 of our reading. It says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. But even now, you know, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So the context of this uh, statement is very important. You see, Jesus has been told that Lazarus was sick. But rather than go to him right away, Jesus waits. And then he finds out that he has also died. But he has told the disciples while he is waiting. He says, the illness does not lead to death. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So by the time they get to, De to Bethany, Lazarus has been in the tomb four days. Now, if you've been in a tomb four days, you really are dead. There's no kind of dead. Lazarus was really dead. As a matter of fact, when Jesus says, roll back the stone, they're like, oh, are you sure, Lord? It's going to really stink because he's been in there for four days. So that's the context, that Jesus waited, Lazarus died four days in the tomb. He's dead. So Martha comes up to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So Martha's statement wasn't a complaint it wasn't a rebuke of Jesus. It was almost more like a, more like a heartfelt sigh. Like, I know he's dead. I, I, I know that you arrived late. But maybe, maybe you could do something. So it's a statement of some faith, of some hope, uh, of some maybe outside chance that Jesus could do something but there's still a lot of confusion. There's still a lot of doubt because she didn't know who she was talking to. You see, when someone dies, it's very often, or if somebody's sick, I should say, or dies, they often go to the pastor, the priest, the minister, and say, will you pray for them? I, I can't pray. Will, 
will you pray for them? I, I mean, even atheists, even atheists during that time will say, would you pray? I, I mean, I don't believe, but it, may, it couldn't hurt, right? And people are often seeking intermediaries rather than Jesus, going directly to Jesus himself. And they do seek intermediaries rather than Jesus himself because they don't understand who Jesus is. There's a lot of confusion on that. I mean, who is this man? Is he a good teacher? Is he a prophet? Is he someone of God? I mean, who is he? And if you've been listening, I've mentioned all the different polls along the way. There's a lot of confusion about who Jesus is. So Jesus, in a very gentle manner, addresses Martha. And he says, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Now, Jesus gives a very clear statement, right? Your brother will rise again. There's no question about that. And on the surface, it looks a little bit like Martha is professing a faith that well, he will rise again. But when you take the whole account of the story of Lazarus and being raised from the dead, Martha still has her doubts. It's almost like she heard this more like a platitude. You know, yeah, I know at some point he'll rise again. You know, a platitude is this kind of an empty saying. Don't worry, it'll get better. You'll be reunited sometime. You know, you get, you get that understanding? And the thing is, a lot of people say that there's life after death, but when you ask more about that, they, they kind of go, I don't know. A light at the tunnel. Maybe there's heaven. I hope I see my dog. I mean, really, out of all the things that people talk about heaven, seeing their pets seems to be the most important thing. But really, for most people, it's very vague and fuzzy. What is this life after death? For Martha, well, maybe she had some idea from the Old Testament Maybe there was some idea. Uh, the prophets used to talk about the resurrection of the nation of Israel, not a personal resurrection, but the nation of Israel. So uh, the Psalms say that believers will be confident facing death because God will not leave them destitute. He will redeem them from the grave. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, actually gives the clearest indication in the Old Testament of the resurrection. It says, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So both the righteous and wicked will be raised from the dead, but there's going to be a judgment afterwards. So for you today, is there life after death? Is there a resurrection? Here's one that people don't like. Is there a judgment Ooh, don't like that one. And most people are going to like, okay, well, if there's a judgment, I hope I get in. 
because I hope I've done enough good things versus the bad things, and I hope I can squeak in that way. And God's just going to overlook anything else. I mean, do you understand how much confusion and doubt there is? So the question this morning is, can you answer what happens when you die? Can you answer who is Jesus? Even among many church-going Christians, the best answer they give is, I hope so. Okay, so you get our doubt, our confusion, right? And now Jesus has been wonderfully preparing Martha for this next section. Because what he says is not general, it is very specific. It cuts through any doubt, any confusion, and provides a clarity and assurance that we should all have. What he says next should take away and wipe away any doubt or shrug of fear. And he says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. This is one of those I am statements of Jesus. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Last week, I am the way and the truth and the life. Remember the language of I am ties him directly to God of the Old Testament, to Yahweh. Read Exodus chapter 3. I am. So when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, it is as if he were to say, I am the true God. Just as God the Father is God, I am God. And when he says that he is the resurrection and the life, it doesn't mean that he is a symbol of the resurrection and the life, or he is a sign that points the way to the resurrection and the life, that he himself is the resurrection and the life. So what does that mean? I said last week we we would dive into this, that he is the life. What does that mean to say that he is the life? It means this. It means that Jesus is the source of all life. Last week I said that he was the source of all truth, not just a signpost, not just a symbol, but that he himself is the truth. And that's really hard to wrap your minds around, isn't it? That he's the source of everything that is true. And if something contradicts Jesus, no matter how much the world says it's true, if something contradicts Jesus, it's a lie. Here he says, I am the life. And this one is really hard also for us to wrap our minds around. It is, isn't it? So, I mean, you start to imagine, well, what what does that mean? I mean, does he have a ball of energy inside him? I mean, you've seen a bunch of superhero movies, right? where the, the superhero has this ball of energy and he's in the battle for fighting for good versus evil, and, but all of a sudden his energy depletes and then the evil overcomes for a while, right? You've seen movies like that. But that's not the picture at all for Jesus. He doesn't have a, a ball of energy that somehow depletes. He is 
that energy. He is that life that everything comes from him. Without him, there would be nothing. I mean, literally, nothing. No planet, no moons, no stars, no thing whatsoever. And this is a very difficult thing to understand, that without Christ Jesus, you would not be. He is the life. You see, at the beginning of creation, it wasn't just God the Father who created everything, and then along sometime later came Jesus and then the Holy Spirit. It was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in one voice saying, let there be. And there was. With that pronouncement, the universe was created. The earth, the sun, the moon, the stars. And there was life. There was vegetation. There were animals. There were things teeming on the earth. There was life. And then God took his life and breathed it into Adam. And man became. Jesus is that life. He is the very breath of life. And he says, I am that life. I am from the moment that everything was created. I am your life. And because he is the life, he is also the resurrection. Because he is the creator of life, death has no power over him. None at all. Death is never the final answer because death cannot hold him. And thus, here's the news, for you and I in Christ Jesus... We have no fear because he is the one who has overcome any death because he is the resurrection. As Paul wrote, and we could proclaim, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of the eye. At the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. The trumpet will sound. It is not playing taps. It is not playing a funeral dirge. It is playing a heavenly reveille. And it says, arise. Arise and know Jesus Christ he is your Savior. Arise, you saints, from the grave and live eternally with him. Arise. That's the assurance that you and I stand in, and that's the promise you have at the moment you believe. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who believes in me shall never die. That is your assurance this day, this moment, right now. For all who believe, for all who have been born again in the glorious hope of our Lord and Savior, 
There's a great song in Christ alone. It says, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man could ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I stand. His clarity and assurance. And now he asks a question. He asks this. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever believes and lives in me shall never die. And then he asks this one very penetrating question. And it cuts through all, all, it cuts away all the other conversations, the philosophies, everything else that people might have. And the question is this Do you believe this? Do you believe this? He doesn't ask, Do you like what I said? He doesn't say, Can you intellectually kind of go along with this idea? Do you believe in general the principles I have laid out for you? Doesn't say that at all, does it? He says, do you believe this? In essence, do you put your full faith in Jesus? And by faith, I don't mean a blind faith. I don't mean a wishy-washy faith. I don't mean a a faith that just says, I hope so, I'm going to believe in Jesus and hope for the best. That's not it. See, another word for faith is trust. That I trust Jesus to be who he says he is. That he actually has the power of life and life everlasting. And I put full faith on here too. Full faith. See, a lot of us growing up, we kind of go, oh yeah, I believe Ah, uh, you know, I, 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 yeah, Jesus, Lord and Savior, okay. But do we live like that? See, to have a full faith says, I believe no matter what. I will follow Christ no matter what. I have no fear of death because of Christ Jesus. Do you believe this? That's the question, right? And it demands a yes or no answer. There's no middle ground on this one. There's no in-between, maybe, kind of wait and see. I'll believe just in case. Jesus never meant for the question to be answered like that, yes or no. And I want you to know, this is the most loving question that Jesus could ever ask you. Because God desires all to be saved. So it's not this this command. It's the invitation for grace. Do you believe this? It is a loving, loving question. Now Martha, overcome by the presence of Jesus, who he is, does respond in faith. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. That he is the Christ, the anointed one, the the anointed one of God, the Messiah, 
who will take away the sin of the world, a God who has come into the world to restore the world. Yes, Lord, I believe. So how about you this morning? Is it time just to put away all that doubt and confusion to know who Christ is? Do you put your full faith in Jesus? Not just a little bit like, Lord, all of me. Like Peter said, right? Lord, all of me. Do you trust that Jesus truly is God? Not lesser than, but God himself. And that he has the power to do as he says. And do you trust that he has the power over life and death? And in him and him alone is their life and life everlasting. See, we have no fear of death, right? Because we know who is the resurrection and the life. And thus we can boldly proclaim what Paul wrote. And I'm going to start with verse 54. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us victory through our Lord Christ Jesus. And to that, we all say amen and hallelujah. Amen. Amen.